Hi there, ladies and gentlemen. Hello there, kids. And cats and dogs out there, too. It's Brian here again. Your grandpa guru, or your guru grandpa. Not sure which. Better check. But now, time's come for my second episode, which is called... The Feast Can Wait. Over the past year, I've been bored out of my mind. I've been reading a lot of the podcasts and studies. The scientists have had their say. Here, you all be considered. Serious scientific studies analyzed up close, taken apart and commented on, and condensed into little tidbits for the pleasure of your ears. Never forget, your body is your castle, your little garden with its little secrets, its entire ecosystem, actually. It's your planet. It's your own little planet, just for you. Only you can take control of your planet. Be careful what you do with it. Your planet. That's right. There's no planet B. There is no planet B. Something to whet your appetite before the appetizers. The title, The Feast Can Wait. Let's start at the beginning. Let's think of that caveman that we talked about the last time. Poor guy, he lived in a permanent state of stress. And it was often cold as hell. And food was quite rare. No supermarkets then. What are we going to do when we get fat? Our bodies need energy, okay. This energy comes from what we eat, but this body decides how to break it down, and according to several factors, the two fuels that our body can use are glucose, sugars, and ketones. What the hell are ketones? No worries, I'll explain. First of all, glucose is the source of energy that all the cells can use directly. When you have a high level of glycemia, it's like a full fridge. And then the body can store the sugars in the muscles and the liver with limits of storage. But we'll get to that later. Back in the old days, a long time ago, primitive cavemen 
even three times a day, even more often, not going to happen. In actual fact, he probably ate one big meal twice or three times a week. And in winter, less often. And snacks were nuts or fruits or roots or bugs. Yummy. For most of us, and we're all very different, our glucose reserves in our liver start to get diminished about 12 hours after I left the meal. And today, that's just about when we start to eat again. We break our fast. We breakfast. We breakfast. Since we've been born, our bodies never get the opportunity to tap into the other source of fuel which is produced by the body when the digestive system falls asleep. The other source of energy, ladies and gentlemen, I present ketones. No panic, I'll explain. Actually, our bodies have pretty much forgotten how to burn these ketones. They're just not used to it. Ketones are like a huge freezer in the basement because you've forgotten, because the fridge is always full. When we eat, two things happen. Our blood sugars go sky high, that's the amount of sugar in the blood, and more importantly, our insulin goes over the top. According to my text, I should insert a sound effect going up and uh, an alarm, but so what? Never mind. Insulin is a crucial hormone that actually allows the cells to absorb glucose. But it's also the hormone that tells the body, there's enough to eat here, guys. Let's store all this. How? In fat cells. It's actually physically impossible to burn fat cells when your insulin is high. And the fat cells that we carry around with us isn't there for aesthetic reason. It's there for when the big day of the great famine comes. But of course, that famine never comes. We're surrounded by food 24-7. Images of food everywhere. Advertising. The smells. The temptation to snack is everywhere. Unbearable. In our next episode, we're going to explore strategies to fight against the damage done by our appetite. Oh no, I was supposed to take that later. Cut it! After more or less 12 hours of the body starts releasing hormones called ghrelins. Ghrelins are hormones telling us that we're hungry. Thank you, Grillins. Grillins are creatures of habit. They adapt over time. And they go away as the body starts to find its energy in our fat storage. Our fat cells around our bellies, on our arms, in our face, between our vital organs, the visceral fat, the most dangerous. It's really worthwhile extending your natural fast to do this just for a couple of hours. Because our bodies are programmed to do lots of magic things when the digestive system is given a break. Oof. No, you're not going to die of hunger. You're not going to pass out. Either. The growth hormone in your blood 
skyrocket. And that's the hormone that keeps you young and your vitality that becomes rare as you grow older. It helps the growth, of course, and with the formation and the protection of muscles. And as we get old, that's important. Waiting a few hours before the next meal, it's not the end of the world. You might be hungry, but it's not the end of the world. In the animal world, animals stop eating when they're sick. We too. When you get the food, the last thing you want is a huge dish of sauerkraut. And fasting exists in one form or another in all religious practices. The Ramadan Karim. In Lent, Jesus is 40 days in the desert. Buddhist monks and Gandhi. Hey. Hunger strike! Benjamin Franklin, a scientist, inventor, and well-known author wrote, The best of all medicines is fasting and rest. Mark Twain, a writer and philosopher, for most diseases, a good little fast can do a lot better than a lot of medicine and doctors. Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine, said, let your food be your medicine. Not really illuminated gurus, are they? But that's all for now. See you soon, I hope. In my next episode, it will be part three of The Feast Can Wait. We'll consider strategies to fight against the havoc by our appetites. See you then. In an uncold winter, the days were good and good.